Chapter Thirty Four of Dope. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Chapter Thirty Four, Above and Below. Thank the good God, I see ye alive, Dan," said Mary Carey having her husband's dressing-gown over her night attire and her usually neat hair in great disorder she stood just within the doorway of the little dining-room at spencer road her face haggard and the fey light in her eyes carrie seated in the armchair dressed as he had come in from the street a parody of his neat self with mud on his shoes and streaks of green slime on his overall raised his face from his hands and stared at her wearily i awakened with a cry at some hour afore the dawn she whispered stretching out her hands and looking like a wild-eyed prophetess of old my heart beat sair fast and then grew cowed i dropped it on my knees and prayed as i had ne'er prayed afore Dan, Dan, I thought ye were again from me. I nearly was, said Carrie, a faint spark of his old truculency lighting up the weary eyes. The man from Whitehall only missed me by a miracle. Twas a miracle of prayer, Dan, declared his wife in a low, awe-stricken voice. For as I prayed, a great comfort came to me and a great peace the second sight was we me dan and i saw no yourself whereby i seemed to ken that ye were safe but a poor dying soul stretched on a bed of sorrow at the foot of the bed was standing a fearsome figure of a man yellow and wicked we his hands took it in his sleeves i thought twas a vision that was opening up to me and that was about to be made clear when as though a curtain had been dropped before my een it went i on i kenned it nay more but plain plain i heard the howling o' a dog carrie started and clutched the arms of the chair a dog he said a dog the howling o' a small dog declared his wife and i thought twas a portent and the great fear came o'er me again but as i prayed it was unfolded to me that the portent was no for yourself but for her the poor weak heart he had to save she ceased speaking and the strange fey light left her eyes she dropped upon her knees beside Carrie, bending her head and throwing her arms about him. He glanced down at her tenderly and laid his hands upon her shoulders, but he was preoccupied, and the next moment his jaws moving mechanically, he was staring straight before him. A dog? he muttered. A dog? Mary Carrie did not move until a light of understanding coming into carrie's fierce eyes he slowly raised her 
and stood upright himself i have it he said mary the case is won twenty men have spent the night and early morning beating the river bank so that the very rats have been driven from their holes twenty men have failed where a dog would have succeeded mary i must be off you're no going out again dan you're weary to death i must my dear and it's you who sent me but dan where are you going carry grabbed his hat and cane from the sideboard upon which they lay and i'm going for the dog he rapped weary as he was and travel-stained for once neglectful of that neatness upon which he prided himself he set out hope reborn in his heart his assertion that the very rats had been driven from their holes was scarce an exaggeration a search-party of twenty men hastily mustered and conducted by carey and seaton pasha had explored every house every shop every wharf and as carey believed every cellar adjoining the bank between limehouse basin and the dock gates where access had been denied them or where no one had resided they had never hesitated to force an entrance but no trace had they found of those whom they sought for the first time within carey's memory or indeed within the memory of any member of the criminal investigation department detective sergeant combs had ceased to smile when the appalling truth was revealed to him that sinsinois had vanished that sinsinois had mysteriously joined that invisible company which included casma mrs sin and mrs monty irvin not a word of reprimand did the chief inspector utter but his eyes seemed to emit sparks hands plunged deeply in his pockets he had turned away and not even seaton pasha had dared to speak to him for fully five minutes carey began to regard the one-eyed chinaman with a superstitious fear which he strove in vain to stifle that any man could have succeeded in converting a chandu khan such as that described by molly gretna into a filthy deserted dwelling such as that visited by carey within the space of some thirty-six hours was well-nigh incredible but the chief inspector had deduced correctly that the exotic appointments depicted by molly were all of a detachable nature merely masking the filthiness beneath so that at the shortest notice the house of a hundred raptures could be dismantled the communicating door was a larger proposition but that it was one within the compass of sinsinois its effectual disappearance sufficiently demonstrated doubtless carey mused savagely the appointments of the opium house had been smuggled into that magically hidden cache which now concealed the conjurer sinsinois as well as the other members of the casma company how any man of flesh and blood could have escaped from a six-roomed house surrounded by detectives surpassed carey's powers of imagination how any apartment large enough to contain a mouse much less half a dozen human beings could exist anywhere within the area covered by the search party 
he failed to understand nor was he prepared to admit it humanly possible carey chartered a taxicab by brixton town hall and directed the man to drive to prince's gate to the curious glances of certain of his neighbors who had never before seen the chief inspector otherwise than a model of cleanliness and spruceness he was indifferent but the manner in which the taxi driver looked him up and down penetrated through the veil of abstraction which hitherto had rendered carey impervious to all external impressions and give me another look like that my lad he snapped furiously and i'll bash your head through your blasted windscreen a ready retort trembled upon the cabman's tongue but a glance into the savage blue eyes reduced him to fearful silence carey entered the cab and banged the door and the man drove off positively trembling with indignation deep in reflection the chief inspector was driven westward through the early morning traffic fine rain was falling and the streets presented that curiously drab appearance which only london streets can present in all its dreary perfection workers bound cityward fought for places inside trams and buses a hundred human comedies and tragedies were to be witnessed upon the highways but to all of them carey was blind as he was deaf to the din of workaday babylon in spirit he was roaming the bank of old father thames where the river sweeps eastward below limehouse causeway wonder-stricken before the magic of the one-eyed wizard who could at will efface himself as an artist rubs out a drawing who could camouflage a drug warehouse so successfully that human skill however closely addressed to the task failed utterly to detect its whereabouts above the discord of the busy streets he heard again and again that cry in the night which came from a hapless prisoner whom they were powerless to succor he beat his cane upon the floor of the cab and swore savagely and loudly the intimidated cabman believing these demonstrations designed to urge him to a greater speed performed feats of driving calculated to jeopardize his license but still the savage passenger stomped and cursed so that the cabbie began to believe that a madman was seated behind him at the corner of kennington oval carey was effectually aroused to the realities a little runabout car passed his cab coming from a southerly direction proceeding at a rapid speed it was lost in the traffic ahead unconsciously carey had glanced at the occupants and had recognized margaret halley and seaton pasha the old spirit of rivalry between himself and the man from whitehall leapt up hotly within carey's breast now where the hell has he been he muttered as a matter of fact seaton pasha acting upon a suggestion of margaret's had been to brixton prison to interview juan marino who lay there under arrest contents bills announcing this arrest as the latest public development in the bond street murder case were to be seen upon every newsstand yet the problem of that which had brought seaton to the south of london was one with which carey grappled in vain 
he had parted from the home office agent in the early hours of the morning and their parting had been one of mutual despair which neither had sought to disguise it was a coincidence which a student of human nature might have regarded as significant that whereas Carey had taken his troubles home to his wife seaton pasha had sought inspiration from margaret halley and whereas the guidance of mary Carey had led the chief inspector to hurry in quest of rita irvin's spaniel the result of seaton's interview with margaret had been an equally hurried journey to the big jail unhappily seaton had failed to elicit the slightest information from the saturnine merino unmoved alike by promises or threats he had coolly adhered to his original evidence so while the authorities worked feverishly and all england reading of the arrest of marino inquired indignantly but who is casma and where is mrs monty irvin sinsinois placidly pursued his arrangements for immediate departure to the paddy fields of ho nan and sometimes in the weird crooning voice with which he addressed the raven he would sing a monotonous chant dealing with the valley of the yellow river where the opium poppy grows hidden in the cunning vault the search had passed above him and watchful on the quay on the surrey shore whereto his dinghy was fastened george martin awaited the signal which should tell him that casma and company were ready to leave any time after dark he expected to see the waving lantern and to collect his last payment from the traffic at the very hour that Kerry was hastening to Prince's Gate, Sinsinois sat before the stove in the drug cache, the green-eyed Joss upon his knee. With a fragment of chamois leather, he lovingly polished the leering idol, crooning softly to himself and smiling his mirthless smile. Perched upon his shoulder, the raven studied this operation with apparent interest, his solitary eye glittering bead-like upon the opposite side of the stove sat the ancient sam tuck and at intervals of five minutes or more he would slowly nod his hairless head the sliding door which concealed the inner room was partly open and from the opening there shone forth a dim red light cast by the paper-shaded lamp which illuminated the place the coarse voice of the cuban jewess rose and fell in a ceaseless half-muttered soliloquy indescribably unpleasant but to which sinsinois was evidently indifferent propped up amid cushions on the divan which once had formed part of the furniture of the house of a hundred raptures mrs sin was smoking opium the long bamboo pipe had fallen from her listless fingers and her dark eyes were partly glazed buddha-like immobility was claiming her but it had not yet effaced the expression of murderous malice with which the smoker contemplated the unconscious woman who lay upon the bed at the other end of the room as the moments passed the eyes of mrs sin grew more and more glazed her harsh voice became softened and presently ah she whispered so you wait to smoke with me immobile she sat propped up amid the cushions and only her full lips moved two pipes are nothing to sigh she murmured he smokes five 
but you are not going to smoke again she paused then ah my lucy you smoke with me she whispered coaxingly chandu had opened the poppy gates mrs sen was conversing with her dead lover something has changed you she sighed you are different lately you have lots of money now your investments have been good you want to become respectable eh slightly ever so slightly the red lips curled upwards no sign of life came from the woman lying white and still in the bed but through the partly open door crept snatches of sinsinois crooning melody yet once she murmured yet once i seemed beautiful to you lucy for la belle lola you forgot that english pride she laughed softly you forgot sinsinois if there had been no lola you would never have escaped from buenos aires with your life my lucy you forgot that english pride and did not ask me where i got them from the ten thousand dollars to buy your honor back she became silent as if listening to the dead man's reply finally no i do not reproach you my dear she whispered you have paid me back a thousandfold and since and while the old fox grows rich and fat today we hold the traffic in our hands lucy the old fox cares only for his money before it is too late let us go you and i do you remember havana and the two months of heaven we spent there oh let us go back to havana lucy casma has made us rich let casma die you smoke with me again she became silent then very likely she murmured very likely i know why you don't smoke you have promised your pretty little friend that you will stay awake and see that nobody tries to cut her sweet white throat she paused momentarily then muttered something rapidly in spanish followed by a short guttural phrase in chinese why do you bring her to the house she whispered hoarsely and you brought her to casma's ah i see now everybody says you are changed yes she is a charming friend the buddha-like face became suddenly contorted and as suddenly grew placid again i know i know mrs sin muttered harshly do you think i am blind if she had been like any of the others do you suppose it would have mattered to me but you respect her you respect her voice died away to an almost inaudible whisper i don't believe you you are telling me lies but you have always told me lies one more does not matter i suppose how strong you are you have hurt my wrists you will smoke with me now she ceased speaking abruptly and abruptly resumed again and i do as you wish i do as you wish how can i keep her from it except by making the price so high 
that she cannot afford to buy it i tell you i do it i bargain for the pink and white boy quinton because i want her to be indebted to him because i want her to be so sorry for him that she lets him take her away from you why should you respect her silence fell upon the drugged speaker sinsonois could be heard crooning softly about the yellow river and the mountain gods who sent it sweeping down through the valleys where the opium poppy grows go juan hissed mrs sin i say go her voice changed eerily to a deep mocking bass and rita irvin lying a pallid wraith of her once lovely self upon the untidy bed stirred slightly her lashes quivering her eyes opened and stared straightly upward at the low dirty ceiling horror growing in their shadowy depths End of chapter 34 Recording by John Brandon